0: Hey, welcome to the C3 Victory podcast. We're praying this message encourages you, grows your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Thanks for joining us. Fantastic. Now, I'm, I'm practicing this, uh, this like kind of hook thing. Uh, Chris, who's uh, Chris and Leah, lead our, our digital ministry space. He tells me I've got to have a hook at the start of my message. So uh, here we go. Why am I the way I am? Have you ever asked that? Have you ever asked that question? Maybe it's come from your spouse, and it sounds more like, why are you the way you are? Maybe that's more, Some people resonate way more with that. That's not how it is for me. Rachel would never say that. She is uh, an amazing wife, blessing to me, Uh, constant source of encouragement and faith. I tell you, if you let let God choose your spouse, uh, they are amazing. But have you ever wondered why? Oh, sometimes, sometimes, you want to know what actually the, the more accurate version of that statement for me is probably when I am in a place of solitude, I'm by myself, sometimes uh, it's, I'm walking on the beach or whatever, and I'm like, God, why am I the way I am? It's my own frustration at myself rather than someone else's. Uh, I don't know if that's you, uh, but today, hopefully, we're going to go on a journey where we unpack why you might just be the way you are, and you're going to come away hopefully feeling incredibly encouraged, uh, but also uh, incredibly stirred uh, to realise that there is nobody formed like you, and you are formed with a purpose in mind. Which to me is like that, to me, encourages me. I'm like, oh, I am the way I am for a reason. There's some things I can work on, but ultimately, there is good that is coming when I engage in outworking things the way that I am. So Ephesians 4, our series scripture, we are in week four of our Captive Cause series that has come out of our, our vision focus for this year. Ephesians 4.1, you should all know it by now, right? It says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your, let's all say it together, calling, oh, that was pretty good, guys, well done. For you have been, let's say it again, called by God. Not just called by me, Not just called by your spouse to put dinner on because they're running late from work. Not just, you haven't just been called by anybody. You have been called by God, which puts a weight on it. It puts a significance on it. It puts a sense of, oh, this is a pretty big deal. This speaks to my sense of value, right? We talked about this early on in the series. The fact you have, you individually have been beckoned by God Himself means you're kind of a big deal. It's okay to receive that this morning. Alright. You're kind of important. You're kind of significant. All the the significance and need and value that you seek in all other areas of of your life should and could and actually will be found in, in, in the, the Allowing the revelation that God himself called you, wanted you, desired you, sent his son so he could have you. When that permeates for the deepest parts of your, of your being, you no longer seek significance, value, and all of those things in other spaces of the world. No longer work uh, 100 hours trying to prove that you are significant. You no longer, no longer seek it in the, the, the approval of others. There's so many areas of our life can, can be transformed by the understanding that the God of the universe called you Romans twelve three to 13 says this because of the privilege and authority God has given me I give each of you this warning don't think you are better than you really are well that's a juxtaposition of what you were just saying pastor Nate <laughs> be honest in your evaluation of yourselves right so I I can be the one up here saying you're a big deal God Send his son to die for you you need to receive that and then you need to self-evaluate with honesty because when we don't self-evaluate with honesty we leave gap for pride Okay. and so Paul is saying hey this is really important you are absolutely called by God now let's have honest self-assessment of where we're really at don't think too highly of yourself be honest in your evaluation of yourselves measuring yourselves by the faith God has given oh man not, not measuring yourself by your performance that's really interesting Measuring yourself by the faith God... God. So I don't, I don't have to generate my faith? Whoa, that changes things. The faith to believe the things I struggle to believe isn't something I have to work to stir up and generate. It's faith that God has given us. That's what's interesting. It's really interesting. Stop striving. Stop beating yourself up because you don't think you have the faith to believe for the things that you don't see yet. Instead, rest, settle, recline, sit back into the beauty of the relationship you have with Jesus and receive faith as a gift. It's not even my message, but someone needed that today. Someone needed that. It says, just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body, which we know is us, right? We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. I really love that Paul prioritises the fact that we belong to each other, that the community takes priority over the individuality or the specificity of our individual purpose. Here's where we go wrong sometimes, we get so, so focused and we prioritise our individual purpose that so we end up disconnected from the body. When actually we are first called to belong to each other, we are first called to prioritise our embedding our community, our relational connection. Psalm 1 says those who are planted by the river flourish. Okay, it is, there is a priority on who we belong to before we should worry about what we are called to do. And Paul makes it really clear. Oh, my laptop's turned off already. Let's turn that back on. We belong to each other. In His grace, oh, so great, right? In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well, which means it was all part of His plan. It's been done by design and and, and you can't take any credit for the way you've been made, which is awesome. That makes me be confident and humble all at the same time because I should fully own how God's made me but, but I wasn't a part of it, hopefully we don't need to re, redo that, like I, I have taught PD to year seven, eight, nine. we could talk about how you were made, but you had no part to play, all right, so I can be confident because God's graced me with gifts, God's made me in a particular way for a particular reason, but it was by his grace, so now, so now hey, I've got no skin in the game. So I can be confident and humble at the same time. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. It's okay to be confident that you do certain things well. There is a fallacy around humility that says that you cannot believe and be confident in what you do well. Do you want to know what happens when we fall into that trap, that bad definition of humility? We don't step into those things with confidence. And you want to know what suffers from that? The body suffers. Because firstly, you don't build up the body like we talked about. And secondly, the kingdom suffers because you don't go to to task. You don't get on with the job God's given you because you're like, oh, I don't want to say I'm good at something. Hang on a second. You did nothing to get good at it. God put it in you. God gave you this. So just own it. Love it. Start to tell yourself, actually, I'm pretty good at that. Thanks God, you you, you gave me some skills and some gifts that made me actually valuable and and, and significant and all of these things. And I'm stopping to apologising for the things that I do well and instead I'm going to get to work and put them to work for the sake of the Kingdom of Heaven. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. None of this half-hearted, mediocre, I don't know where mediocrity crept into the church okay, like we are the house of God, like we may not design buildings like they used to, but I'm telling you, if you've seen some of the cathedrals that have been designed around the world, they understood there was a sense of excellence in the house of God, there was an understanding that this is God's house on earth, and it will be good, and it will be amazing, and it will have excellence, you know why? Because God's not a God of mediocrity, God's a God of excellence, So do it well if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. I don't read anywhere in the scripture where it says, if you're good at something, do it half-baked. I was going to use another word, but that could be offensive. (laughs) I tell you, the, the most dangerous thing in today's day and age to the extension of the kingdom of heaven is simply that we prefer ease. And so we will settle for simple instead of engaging in the work it will take to bring excellent. Wow. Yeah. I, won't, I won't start to get too specific on that, but I'm sure that there are things in your mind that you're like, oh, yeah. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. Do you know that the gift to encourage others is the flip side of the gift to critique? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the ability to see what's on someone. And when you allow it to come from a, an unhealthy place, you'll be critical. When you allow it to come from a healthy place, you'll be encouraging. You see the same. It's the same eyes of your heart that see on someone and you can either critique them or you can encourage them. Same gift. If it is given, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. I'll move on. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Oh, that's interesting. Do not get tired for doing good. We could go there. We won't. Love each other with, oh, sorry. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Hold tightly. It is easy to let your, let your grip slip. It's easy to let your life slip. It's easy to let the, the things that you... you 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 When you first kind of came into the house of God, when you first got saved and you were all passionate and you were chopping things off your life left, right and centre, but now 15, 10, 15 years down the track, you're just slipping a little bit. your grip on what is good, it's just loosening a little bit. So now you've kind of like, ah, well, I'll just start using that language again. Or, ah, oh, well, you know, like it's not that bad to watch that stuff or listen to that thing. Like the stuff that you were like, I'm never doing that because now I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation... Just to let your grip slip. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Pastor Darren has no problem with that. And take delight in honouring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard. Oh, come on. And serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Woo! Wow, what a, what a scripture, right? That thing, that thing will preach to you all year if you need it to, right? Let's pray for a second. Heavenly Father, your word is amazing. It separates our soul, our spirit. It reads us like nothing else. Lord, I thank you that you so fully love and accept us. I thank you that you also want to direct us. So, Father, we're open to you this morning. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Everyone said, "Amen, amen." amen. So, <clears throat> when when Rachel and I, uh, I think it was around about the time we got engaged. I can't really remember, um, but you, got, you guys are reminding me of some stuff. Um, Rachel's family has this tradition. Okay. I don't know if you've married into a family that has traditions that are somewhat different to yours, um, and when you first experience those, it's a little bit eye-opening, like, like, oh, that's different. Um, but Rachel's family has this, this tradition when it comes to singing happy birthday. I don't know what your experience of, of the happy birthday song is. Okay. Growing up, mine was, it was, just, it was just kind of everyone just sang together, and it would be what I would describe as a joyful noise to the Lord, all right? And, um, and, and that suited me just fine. Uh, that was in my sweet spot, right? That was in my lane because for any of you who have stood anywhere within the vicinity of my voice during worship, you would know I make a joyful noise to the Lord and, and my worship comes out in, in movement rather than in, in tone uh, or pitch. All right, Um, pitch was not a gift that I'm not graced for pitch. I wish I was graced for pitch. It's one of the things I talk to Jesus about often. Um, But but Rachel's family is that me? Am I making those noises? No, okay. It is. I'm I'm just receiving it. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Rachel's family is graced for pitch. Right, and so, and so, their version of, of happy birthday. I don't know if anyone here has seen Pitch Perfect, right? Where they are all like, like match pitch, whoo. right? They they started with that, right? They started happy birthday with like what what what. What, what key are we singing this in today? And I'm like, I'm so lost right now, right? And then without saying anything, they would break into this perfect five-part harmony. And I was like, that's the alto and the soprano and the tenor. And I, I don't even know if they're the right words. Looking, looking at Joel, yes. And I'm lost in the middle because I'm all of them. And I don't know which one. I can be a soprano at happy and a tenor at birthday, right? I don't know what I'm doing. i singing one day in the car for and she's like, that's a great harmony. I'm like, I was singing the melody. I don't know what's going on. I kind of, I have no idea. I literally have no idea. But I'm in this experience of like the angelic voices of heaven singing happy birthday, and I'm suddenly aware I'm way out of my depth. And, and, and so from then on, I resorted to miming happy birthday, birthday uh, amongst the family, uh, because otherwise I would get like the anxious sweats, as the candle, the cake is coming over, I'm like, oh no, oh no, what key are we doing it in today? Uh, all of them, all of them. It's not, let's just say, singing, it's not my natural strength. Um, thankfully they all accepted me anyway, but, but you know, Romans teaches us that we all have these special strengths. And before we get into that, I want to I just I want to do a quick recap if I can because I don't want you to take this message in isolation. That would be really dangerous because it would create a, a desire to pursue individual effectiveness over body cohesion. And so, and so I want to remind you that in week one, the first thing we talked about being called to was, was Him. It is our absolute foundation. We cannot do anything for Him if we are not with Him. John 15 says, I can do nothing apart from you. Okay? We are called to Him. John 6, 44, we talked about it says, no one comes to the Father unless they are first drawn by Him. Okay, there, we talked about this idea of the, the pre-salvation to Him through salvation. Now we're with Him. We can ask, so what now? But if we miss that foundation, that's critical. Week two, we talked about being called to the body. We're called to each other. Relationally. In the same way that a body itself is joined, ligament, cellular connection, I could talk to you all about the, the cellular boundaries, I won't, but, but, but the ligaments and the tendons and the muscles, it is, there is a, a connection that has to be working for the body to function effectively, which is really interesting. We are called to build up the community of believers then uh, last week, Pastor Simo, what an amazing message last week on, on the fact that the body has a purpose, and that purpose, if I can, it's the bigger purpose. Our individual one that we want to talk about today, the individual specificity of our gifting and how it goes to work in our lives, that is only in function, in the context of the bigger purpose that the body is called to, that ministry of reconciliation, the fact that we are ambassadors for Christ from his kingdom, okay? And unless we understand that as a whole, we are all that, we will lose the fact that as that, we now have specific places to go based on our specific design, okay? It's like it's like if you think about Actually, I'll get to that later, right? We are big picture called to make disciples. That is our big picture calling. That is the ministry of reconciliation we have as the body. And we arrive at Romans, verse 5, which says that we are Christ's body. We belong to each other. And so we are reminded that that is a priority over the specificity of our skill set. Verses 9 to 13, if you're interested, I mean, that's just basic Christian living, right? That's just like how to do uh, Christianity well, how to do relationships well, right? Like, like love people actually. Like we talk about being authentic, okay? Like don't, 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 don't like put on a facade, don't fake, right? That's not kingdom. Okay, be authentic, be real Actually love people And if you don't, God says pray for your enemies So, um, you know, there's your avenue uh, There's your doorway, right? Begin to pray for them Uh, In fact, when I was teaching I was always told if I had a difficult student in my class uh, Pray for them Go home, pray for them Pray for them and ask God to give you a heart for uh, For that person And I'm telling you, it will change your perspective On that person So, if you're struggling with someone In our community Pray for them. Pray for them. Ask God to help you to actually, really, genuinely love them in this community, all right? That the, the alternative is actually not allowed in Scripture. So there you go. As ambassadors from the body, under that banner, we actually all have a sweet spot Of effectiveness. And this is the language that we want to use, okay? Historically, we have used calling for both to salvation, to the body, and our individual aspect, okay? And it can get a little bit confusing as to what we're actually talking about. So for this message, I want to use this idea of effectiveness. Because at the end of the day, I believe that if we have the Holy Spirit resonating inside of us, there is a desire for us to actually be effective for the kingdom of heaven, right? Like I do not want to exist in, in, in this whole life and have done nothing to be effective for God. My goal is effectiveness, okay? And so just like as a nation, we send the right ambassador to the right people group. We send the right ambassador to the right country because it's going to be the most effective it's going to be the most effective okay the same applies for us as a body of believers because God so knows us intimately and intricately he knows just who is going to be the best to go to that that group or to that workplace or to that sports group or okay there is there is effectiveness there are some people and we all know it and I'm one of them okay that 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 we've tried to go to the wrong place and we haven't been effective at all it's like oh That was difficult. That didn't fit me. And you know what? If everyone in our community is on mission, searching for their sweet spot of effectiveness, okay, we should be confident that we don't have to reach outside of ours because it's someone else's. And so now I can go confidently at mine and believe that because we are acting as a whole body, someone else who is more specifically called to that group or to those people or to that country or to that country town somewhere else, I don't know what it is, but it's not where I'm called. Okay? It's not my sweet spot of effectiveness. And so we want to look today at that. So if you took a little self-assessment... I'm sure you'd be able to think of some things that you do well. Natural giftings, all right? Abilities, these strengths, your personality that result ultimately in a unique sweet spot of effectiveness for kingdom mission. It's never one that will separate you from the body. So if you find that you are pursuing an individual, place of effectiveness for the kingdom of God and it causes you to become disconnected from the body. Either you have stepped outside of the timing, the pace or the grace of God, okay? Or you've simply stopped prioritising what should be first, connection to the, I'm not talking about Sunday morning attendance, I am talking about being connected to the body, heart to heart, life to life, relational, that is the priority because it is from that place that you are built up. It is from that place that you are strengthened. It is from that place that you are shaped. It is from that place that you are encouraged. It is from that place that others are praying for you and believing for you and and standing with you. It is from that place. Otherwise, you are out here isolated, thinking that you are charging for the kingdom and you'll often, more often than not, get burned out, tired, discouraged, and there's no one around because you've disconnected yourself from the body. We should never be at the kingdom purpose at such a pace that we are disconnected from his body. His body. Don't tell me you're about his purpose, but disconnected from his body. doesn't make sense. I don't dislocate my arm, throw it over there and go, get to work, and then walk over here. My arm is only effective as long as it remains connected to the body because of what gives it blood, oxygen, health, sustenance, Okay. And I'm not talking about Sunday morning attendance, although I think it's valuable. I think it's highly valuable. One of the most important things we we can do as the body is gather, but the connection of the body is not Sunday morning attendance. It's actually what you build life to life. It's what I would say actually occurs more in table spaces than it does on Sunday morning. i got a a motor. Psalm 139, 13 to 16 says this. It says, You are made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvellous how well I know it. You watched me as I was formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. I don't want to rush over that scripture, but it is critical. The, the NIV says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. We know that, that Paul's perspective on this from Galatians 1.15, he talks about being called before he was born, before he was born. There's, got, there's this understanding that before you were born, you were actually designed in the mind of God. You were designed to have a unique sweet spot. You were designed for effectiveness for the kingdom. Every single human on the face of the planet is designed for effective, effectiveness for the kingdom of heaven. It's just that a whole lot of us don't step through the first foundation, which is that we can't be effective for him until we're with him. Okay. The unfortunate thing, if, if I can use that language, is that the gifts and call of God are irrevocable which is why we see people utilising their gifts and their skills out in the world and they're being incredibly effective, just not for the kingdom. They're being effective for themselves, they're being effective for companies, they're being effective for culture they're, because their gifts and skills are still embedded because they were designed that way before they were even born and so they're still working in, in, in the product of that. They just haven't come through the foundation of finding him and the drawing to him because that's first and always, Okay? We are called the Salvationist Foundational, but the plan didn't finish with salvation, okay? It was just the non-negotiable part. I remember first time I ever went and did a snow trip, I went snowboarding, and obviously the goal of the trip is to get to the snow and go snowboarding, right? That's the goal, okay? Um, but I had no gear, and so we had to make a pit stop in Liverpool uh, to pick up this, all of this snow gear from a friend of ours. Now, Now, I could have gone straight to the snow, and I would have given it a good crack, okay? But I had a non-negotiable stop to make on the way. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been snowboarding. I would have just been walking around on the snow and throwing snowballs at people. It's a little bit like that. The plan that God designed you with was a plan for effectiveness. It was a plan for action, but it was a plan for action with Him, and so there's a non-negotiable along the way, which is salvation, okay? We have to pass through that moment for the effectiveness of the gifts and call that he has designed us with and placed within us, for their effectiveness to actually be kingdom effective. Where are we? Keep going, keep going. I like to think, I like to think of like designing a house. Is the best analogy that I can come up with for this. If you've ever sat down and designed anything about your house, whether it's renovation, whether it's a whole house, whether you've just played one of those apps where you get to design a house because you're like the majority of us and there's no chance that's happening in the current cost of living crisis, right? But, but design begins with the dream of an activity. So I'll use, I'll use our house as, as, as an example. I dream of having loads of people in our entertaining area with a pizza oven, I dream of, of, of like, like the chickens down the back giving me the eggs that I can use to make pasta, all right, like I love some of that stuff. The dream is of the activity which drives the design. And so I will design my entertaining area in such a way that it fulfills when it's built the very activity that I was dreaming of. And so the dream leads to the planning, which then leads to the formation. All of this is occurring before I get to actually even experience the activity. But the activity is what drove the design. The dream of the activity drove the design. And so, and so the first thing when it comes to actually building is the foundation. Okay, and so you can think the foundation is disconnected from the the, the the dream of the activity, but without the foundation there is no activity. Doesn't happen. And so we build the foundation. Without the foundation, there's no house. With no the house, there's no activity. And then we build the structure. The structure is like us as a body. The structure of the house. The house if it isn't first a solid, stable, functioning house, there's no use having a great table for your family to gather around and eat a beautiful family meal that you might have dreamed of having in this house. If your walls are falling down, if, you know, like, like the house as a whole is more important than the one activity that you might have dreamed about doing in that house just it's it, 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 and finally finally you've dreamt the activity you've designed the house to fulfill the activity you've laid the foundation you've built all of the house the walls it's a it's a beautiful home and you get that moment where you get to invite the people over and you live you experience for the first time the dream of the activity and it's amazing And if I was to put this in the context of people's lives, this is the moment where they're like, I am doing what I was called to do. It's that moment where everything seems to come together in your life, that first moment where you do it and you're like, oh my goodness. And yet that moment is just a beginning at the same time. Because for the rest of your life in that house, you will be refining how you host that barbecue. You will be, you will be upskilling in all sorts of tools and techniques and different meats, right? You'll be, you'll be, you'll be, yeah, come on. You'll be putting different, different timbers in the smoker. Did I get that right, someone? Right? Like, different, like, like, you might have arrived at that first moment and it feels like, I've arrived. I'm doing what I'm called to do. But you're just at the beginning of being the most effective. In that space. This analogy is just like us. We were designed for activity before we were born, but then we were drawn to him because the foundation is critical. We were called to his body because the house is more important than the single activity. We're called a community of believers before we find our individual specificity. We're part of the bigger mission before we're a part of my mission. Before we discover our unique role in achieving it, we have to remember that we are called to the mission first, the ministry of reconciliation, ambassadorship, and the making of disciples. However, this week's message specifically is about this unique you, with which we are designed before birth to have a sweet spot, of effectiveness. Ephesians 4.1, our series scripture, it says, to live a life worthy of your calling. And this is where this gets traction because living our life is less, you know, like salvation is a moment. I mean, it's also a journey, right? But it's a moment. The living of our life, the activity of our life and how we do that, worthy of our calling, We have to begin to understand what our sweet spot of effectiveness is because living worthy of the calling, we only approach that when we begin to activate our life in the direction of the components that help us be effective. We can live our life in all sorts of ways but it may not be worthy of your calling because that equates to living on mission and with effectiveness. All right? So here we go. Here we go. I'm going to try something. We're going to we're going to attempt to uh, put my remarkable on the screen. Hence, why I was uh, speaking from my laptop. How are we going, Chris? I just I just hit the reconnect. There we go. Fantastic. So here we go. Uh, I taught science in high school, and um, there's three. Colors of light, that if you put them together, they make white light. I thought that was a really great analogy for what I believe are the three unique components of your life that when put together, you get white light. You get the most effectiveness, okay? Um, White light is the most effective form of light. We can have all sorts of colors, but white is the most effective. And so here's a little, if, if you can remember that, you will remember that for you, there are three unique components I just zoomed out, that's not helpful. Three unique components to your life that when known, when operated in, you enter a sweet spot of effectiveness, okay? It's not to mean that you can't have an element of effectiveness in other areas, but I believe we should be moving towards the white light zone, the most effective zone, okay? So, uh, component number one, I'm going to title you, okay? Okay? I'm going to call this self-awareness. I'm going to try to use my best writing, okay? My staff will tell you that they now all have the gift of interpretation of tongues because my writing is actually that bad. Now, this is how God made you. And we can put some things in here, okay? We can put some things in here. Things that you did nothing to get. To begin with, maybe it's the seed of I don't know, but this is where you can be confident and humble because this is how God made you. Okay, is your abilities, is your skills? It's kind of the same word, Pastor Nate. This is your personality. Okay, physical attributes. It's a double T i got to be careful. My wife will pick me up on my spelling if it's not right. Strengths. All kinds of things. Amazing. It's you. It's so cool. I don't know if you've ever done a journey where you get to know some of this stuff, but when you do, it's kind of like, oh, that's me. That makes sense. Oh, that's why I do that well. It's actually an amazing, enlightening journey to go on, and it helps you. Okay? If you've never done a self-awareness journey, please help us all out. Do it. Okay? All right? Then, then, okay, we're going to go over to the, the, that side. This is spiritual gifts. Is my writing getting messier? I'm starting I'm start to hurry. That side for you. There we go. All right, all right. So these are, just to forget the spelling, manifestation gifts, Okay, Uh, gifts of the Spirit, we're getting on to that. This is what God gave you. Not Gad, what God gave you. Gad is a city in the Old Testament, okay, no correlation. What God gave you. So there's how God made you, and then there's what God gave you. In fact, Scripture says, eagerly seek. The gifts of the Spirit, they're a gift. They're, he's given them to you, okay? Uh, what God gave you. So we have what God, how God made you, what God gave you. And we would say that this area here, uh, this is self-awareness. Um, I'll put it down here. This is spiritual awareness. And I love you, but some of you are really spiritually unaware. You have no idea what gifts God's given you. You have no idea if he's given you a gift to prophesy. You have no idea if he's given you the gift to have words of knowledge or wisdom, right? Because you've never engaged, You've never engaged in asking, God, what have you actually given me for me to be effective, firstly, to build up the body, second, to be a great ambassador for you. Some of you don't know yourself. You haven't done the first one. Self-awareness, spiritual awareness, and the last one, the last circle on that side um, is I'm going to call it life awareness. I'm going to label this one context. Context. And this is where we have, I I, I want to bust a bit of a myth right now, because historically, we have called context calling. And so we have a whole lot of people historically, if you are probably 25 and over, you will think your career is your calling. It's not. Your career is a component of your context. Uh, Double R or double E, everyone? Thank you. Career is a component of your context. So is your family state. So is your involvement in different things, in other activities. We could say it's your physical time, your physical space. And the issue with teaching that your your context is your calling is that we are afraid to change context. You see, each of these circles and the entire of our discovery sessions is oriented around you being able to fill out these three circles. We have an entire booklet for you. It's fully oriented. It's got personality tests in there. It's got gift tests in there. We have teaching. We have three different teaching videos for you just on the spiritual awareness circle, okay? We want to walk you from wherever you are in these three spaces to having a really clear understanding of being able to fill out these three. And you may have done this stuff before, but here's the beautiful thing. As you walk through life, there is always refinement. There is always refinement, right? Because we don't just arrive at the first barbecue and go, I made it. Don't need to have any more of those. I know how to host the barbecue. I know what I'm called to. I'm good. No, now the question is to how do you refine that to be even more effective? How do you refine yourself? How do you understand your gifting better so you can be even more effective? I like to use the analogy of a magnifying glass. I'm sure many of you, As kids, you realize you can light a fire with a magnifying glass. You can burn ants, but we won't get into that. Okay. Here's the thing the effectiveness of that light in terms of producing heat and fire only comes as you progressively focus that light. That's interesting because focal length is a journey, it's movement. And as the light changes throughout the day, the focal length will shift. As you journey through scope of life, your focal length needs to shift. You need to work on yourself so that the effectiveness, so that the heat, the fire of your life, that point of most effectiveness for the kingdom of heaven is actually maintained. Otherwise, you get soft. Otherwise, you get slightly less hot, slightly less effective and you just start to settle for mediocre. And you forget the scripture doesn't say work hard when you're in a career, but when you retire, well, that's okay because your calling was just your career. So now you're not called to anything. Scripture doesn't say that because, because your career is just part of your context. When your career changes, it's just a change to your context, not your calling. You're still 100% on call. You're still 100% on mission. You're still 100% called to build up this body. But also, you still have a sweet spot of effectiveness. And now it's a different sweet spot of effectiveness. And you got to shift that focal length. you got to go and you got to reanalyze your context. you got to reanalyze the gifts of the Spirit. you got to reanalyze you. Hopefully, you've worked on you as you've gone through life. And so now you're a bit different. So don't ever think that these discovery sessions... Just for people, oh, they're young who don't know themselves. Oh, I know what spiritual gifts I've got. Well, God says eagerly seek all of them. Maybe there's a new one for you. I don't know. I don't know, but I do know this. I know that for each of these three spots, and I've got to finish, each of these three spots, there is, there is a component of refinement. In the same way that we focus light, there is a specific thing that we do to to, to focus, if you will, each individual component. So you, let's take you, for instance, refinement. I'll just put an R. Good, we're still alive. Refinement of you is about competency. God's given you a gift, get better at it. Go to work on that. We don't like this one. Character. Most effective people that fall over is because of character, and immediately the effectiveness they're having for the kingdom of God is finished. Character. What about what about freedom? What about that one insecurity that's holding you back from going to an increased level of effectiveness? You need you need healing. You need transformation. You need freedom. We can put those up as well. These are the ways we go to work on ourselves with the Holy Spirit. Refining the best version of me. I want the best version of me. I want to make sure my character holds me wherever, whatever context God moves me into. I want my character to hold me there. What about about spiritual gifts? How's that refined, Pastor Nate? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Seek first my kingdom. Seeking. Let's not think that that we can operate with a level of effectiveness in his spiritual gifts and talk to him like once a week. There is a seeking of him. There is an intimacy. I or A. Thank you. I should ask Pastor Darren. That's right. Pursuing anointing. Oh, this one. We don't like this one. Remember how we talked about that you are called to a a way before you're called to a what? Holiness has a huge impact on the way you carry anointing. So you want to know why some people operate with a, oh, there's something on them. Because they have, they have refined holiness in their lives. They've decided they're not going there. They're not watching that. They're not doing that. You are made holy, but then you get to, you get to pursue staying holy. The blood of Christ cleanses you when you fail, but you get to, you're supposed to pursue holiness. We're supposed to go after holiness. We're supposed to go from one level to the next. We're supposed to have lives to get cleaner and cleaner and, and more holy as we, as we progress. Holiness is key. Context. How do you refine your context? Well, that's actually, it's pretty simple. It's a word that we we even more don't like. Obedience and surrender. I had a conversation this year with someone in our church who had some incredible opportunities career-wise placed in front of them. And I got the opportunity to text Convo that person. I said, hey, what? Well, just make sure you choose what God's saying. Surrender that decision to His direction. That's how you refine your context. It's not about the bigger paycheck. It's not about the corner office. It's not about whatever else you want to package in to what you're pursuing for your life and defining your context about. It's about obedience. When He says, hey, that career you've been building for 10 years in that organisation, I want you to leave that I want you to use all of your long service leave that you've accrued to be able to pay, survive life while you, while you step into a totally different career because that's what I've called you to. That's a change in context. And you go, okay, God, well, you're in charge. Well, you're in charge. Obedience and surrender. Refine our context. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. And if you did, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming messages. We would love for you to connect with us by heading to c3victory.org.au.